Update required. We are in message two in this series. If you missed part one, go to arisedenver.com slash media. We have our audio and video, and you can catch up. We, we talked last week about the distractions of this new world because over the last 10 years and exacerbated by the last year and a half, things have changed so much in our digital world. The smartphones and social media everywhere that so many things have changed, so we've got to update. And we can look to God's timeless truth to get some timely wisdom for our lives today. So last week, we talked about the distractions, how to eliminate especially the unwise things in our life and to embrace the best, to make every moment matter. And I hope some of you guys have done that. And I think that will lead us very well in today as we're talking about fear. Today is how do we deal with fear? Because fear has always been around, right? But over the last 10 years, with the rise of social media and smartphones everywhere, it has taken our fear to a whole nother level. It really has. I remember back just a couple of months ago, we were seeing in-person attendance here start to go up every week, and it was, I was like, finally, people are starting to come back after a year and a half away, right? We were seeing the numbers go up and go up and go up, and then when we hit August, they just kind of stabilized. It was like, I was like, what's going on? Like, we're, we're going on, and then you look in the news, of course, the Delta variant is coming. So I remember having this conversation with Melissa. I was like, Melissa, it just seems like everybody's so afraid. They're just so afraid of the Delta variant that they won't come to church, and the Delta variant, it's so bad, of course, down in, in the South and in certain parts of our country. But here, like, you can look at the cases. They're not very much. And I just like, why are everybody so afraid? I had this conversation with her. And she said, Matt, yeah, you're right. They're dealing with fear. But so are you. So are you. Melissa always does this. <laughs> Husbands, if God gives you a wife, he gives you a helper. So listen to her, okay? Melissa can just cut through everything and get to the heart of the issue. She's good at this. She has the gift of discernment. And she said, Matt, you're dealing with fear. I'm like, no, you're not. What you, well, no, I'm not. What, what are you talking about? She said, no, no, Matt. They, they might be afraid of the Delta variant, but you're afraid that people aren't going to come back to church and they'll stop giving and our church will fall apart. That's why you're so worried about this. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> She's always right. <laughs> yes, honey, you're always right. I love you. She's coming to the second service. But, but that's the reality. We all deal with fears and that those are different fears, and that's part of the problem. You know, I have this fear, somebody else has a different one. And what happens in our society is that politics, media, TV, our friends down the street, people we don't even know on social media are just spouting out their fears. We're in the age of fear-mongering, aren't we? You look at it politically speaking, whoever gets people to be the most afraid is going to be the person who gets elected into office. That's what modern-day campaigns are. Oh, no, the immigrants are going to come in and take our jobs. Oh, no, the environment is going to be completely destroyed, and, and look at the droughts coming. We're all going to die. We're going to be burning outside within just a few years because of the fossil fuels. Oh, my gosh, we have to wear masks or we're all going to get coronavirus. We can't wear masks because it's the federal government trying to take all of our liberties. Right? Global warming. Bankruptcies, the, the, the housing market, it's definitely going to burst, right? Whoever can say the thing that gets the most people afraid, they get the spotlight for that moment, for that day, on Twitter, on Facebook, on the nightly news, on the podcast, on, on your news app that, boom, alert, breaking news. It's really not news, but it's going to break your mind, right? Isn't that what we should call it? We think, oh, we need to be informed, but in reality, it's just driving us insane, and it's not just the news. It's not just politics. It's not just the news. It's also locally. 
Just a, a couple months ago, our doorbell rang, so I decided our doorbell break broke, so I decided to get a ring doorbell. Anybody have these or a smart doorbell like this? I'm like, oh, this is great, you know, keep our house. We can, we can see in case somebody steals our packages or whatever, right? Just updating, because that's what you do. You update with the newest technology. And then all of a sudden, I started getting these weekly alerts. 15 break-ins in the neighborhood. A shooting over here. Someone died over there. Car crash over here. You got to watch out. And I was like, holy moly, I didn't know all this stuff was going on. And it's like the entire city of Denver, but for some reason, I need to be worried about every single break-in in the entire city. This app is like hyper-localized and like somebody posts on there, oh, there was a weird dude walking through the alley. And I'm like, oh no, my gosh. And then it's like, oh, that was me, right? <laughs> that was me. <laughs> so, so whether it's our Ring apps or, or, or the news or, or medical apps, man, if you have a scratch on your arm, you're gonna, you got cancer and you're gonna die, right? You get on WebMD, for sure it's the end. It's the most rare form of cancer that only five people have ever been diagnosed with, and I'm number six. That's what WebMD tells us, isn't it? And then to make everything even worse, there are a hundred podcasts to tell you about every single mass murder and rape in the history of mankind that you can listen to nonstop, right? And there's a new horror movie on Netflix every single week. Our world today wants us to be afraid. Everything is driving us to fear and to fear and to fear. And fear is really bad for us. If you don't know that already, we're going to talk later in this message about why fear is so bad. But more importantly, we're going to talk today about how to defeat fear. Because isn't that what we want? How to defeat fear. That's what we're going to learn today. How to defeat fear. And it's real simple. And it's not, you just got to be more courageous. You just got to get in your superhero pose. Okay? We're, we're going to learn something better than that today. We're going to learn how to actually defeat fear. And let me say this before we get into fear. I am not talking about the instinctual response that we all have. Okay, we are all born and created by God to have an instinctual fear. Let, let me give you an example of this. This last Monday night was the first night of Mops, which I hear was awesome. Mothers of Preschooler group, yeah? You can give a cheer for that. It was awesome. Had a lot of our mother and preschools. If you are not there and you're a mother of a preschooler or expecting a baby, come second Monday of every uh, month. So you can come to that. But Melissa was here, so I was home with the three kids. I was home with the three kids. And I was doing good. I had the oven preheating to put my chicken nuggets in, because I'm a gourmet chef for my kids. And I was getting the grapes, and I'm such a good dad that I was cutting up the grapes for my kids, right? Got three little kids. I was cutting up the grapes. And, and, and our twins, who aren't two yet, as I'm cutting up, I'm, I'm real focused, trying to cut these up real good, because you have to. I mean, you can't just... With a grape, okay, you gotta, and I'm focusing, and out of the corner of my eye, I see that Canaan and Evie, our twins, grab a hold of the oven door as it's preheating. Yeah? Okay, Riva, you know what I'm talking about. I see you nodding. And the door falls open out of the corner of my eye, and I let out a guttural roar, okay? It wasn't a yell, it, wasn't a scream, it was a roar. Ah! Okay, it was the loudest I've ever screamed, and it just naturally came out of me, right? And they let go of the door immediately, slam back up. They're terrified, crying. McKinley's crying now. She runs into the other room and cur curls up on the bed, uh, you know, on the, on the couch with a blanket over her. They're all crying, and I'm like, okay, nobody was hurt, but they're terrified now. But it was my natural response, right? It was a, an instinctual response as I'm like, I don't want anyone to get burned. Nobody did. Nobody did. And they ate the chicken nuggets. Everybody was happy that night. But that's instinctual fear. That's not what we're talking about today. There's no way to ever get rid of instinctual fear, and you probably don't want to, because then you'll burn yourself, 
you'll fall off the edge of the cliff, right? <laughs> we want some instinctual fear, but the problem is, is when that instinctual fear becomes a continual fear in your life. So that's what we're talking about today, that continual fear that, oh no, the world's going to pot. When, when people say things to me like, I can't believe you're, you're having to raise kids in this world, it's so bad. So many things to be afraid of. That continual fear that, that brings stress to our bodies and, and hurts us, as we'll talk about in this message, that's what we're talking about today, how to defeat that fear. And I believe that God wants us to beat that type of continual fear, and we're going to learn how today in our message. So if you have your Bible, open with me to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to start in the second half of verse 16. If you have most Bibles, there's a little paragraph break halfway between verse 16. If you have a Version Bible app, you can go ahead and get there, and we have an event for Rise Church Denver. We'll have the main scripture up here on the screen. Now, one thing that we're doing this week, we have a special resources page for this series and it's at arisedenver.com slash update required. It's in that YouVersion Bible app. So I, I referenced a couple articles and a couple books last week, so you can find that on the resource page, and each week we're going to have a few different resources for this series. So um, you, you, can, you can look at it there. Um, and, and this message, of course, is called How to Defeat Fear, and we're going to start in verse 16 and go through 19. Verse 18 is really our main verse for today, but I wanted you to see this whole passage and understand what's going on as John, who was one of the youngest disciples of Jesus, probably a teenager when he was following Jesus in his lifetime, and now later, probably decades later, as an old man, John is writing down some of the things he learned from Jesus. And here he is in 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to start in the second half of verse 16. John writes, God is love. It's pretty good, right? God is love. I like starting out there, don't you? God is love. Did you know that, that that's in there? God is love. This is interesting because most other viewpoints of God is not that God is love. And even people think of Christianity, they think of a God, oh my gosh, he's going to send people to hell, you better be afraid of him. But no, no, it says God is love. Now, this isn't the only attribute of God. And it definitely doesn't say love is God. Did you notice that? <laughs> but God is love. This is one of the most uh, important characteristics about who God is. It's in his nature to love. It says that God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Verse 17. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are, are like Jesus. And get this, this is the important verse. Focus. This is how love, I'm sorry, <laughs> I skipped back. Verse 18, you guys are paying attention though, right? Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Do you hear that? There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out what? Fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. In verse 19, we love because he first loved us. This passage is so important for us to understand that we can grasp this really important truth about how to defeat fear. And it's simple. Defeat fear through love. Defeat fear through love. That's what this passage is going to teach us, that we can defeat fear through love. It is not through being more courageous, it's not by being smarter, but it's through love, and specifically God's love. 
So, so it said that in verse 18, that there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. And I want to focus on this next phrase that's so interesting. It says, because fear has to do with punishment. Now, it's really interesting in the Greek here. It just says, fear has punishment. Now, most people assume that what it's talking about here is that you're afraid because punishment might be coming. But you could also translate this phrase to say that fear has its own punishment within it. So when you're afraid, it's almost like you're experiencing the punishment ahead of time. <laughs> because here's the reality, right? Here's the reality. That most of the things we're afraid of will never, ever come to pass. So when we're afraid, and we're worried, and we're not thinking clearly, that's not ever going to happen. So, so that's a big bulk of what we're afraid of. On the, on the other hand, there's a lot of things that will come to pass no matter how much you're afraid of it, right? You can be afraid or not afraid, and it's still going to happen. You can't control it. There's a very small sliver of things that we're afraid of we can actually control. <laughs> and those things, we don't need to be afraid of it because we can take care of it and change something. So there is nothing that we need to be afraid of. So, so I find this so fascinating that it says fear has its own punishment within us. So when we're afraid, it actually damages our brains. So this is a fascinating thing. I read this really interesting book called, called um, The God-Shaped Brain. The God-Shaped Brain, and you can find that on our resources page, right? There's a link to it. The God-Shaped Brain. It is written by Timothy Jennings, who is an MD. He's a psychiatrist, but he's also a Christian. And what he wanted to do was look at brain imaging and brain science of what we've learned to figure out what fear does to our brains. So he, he talks about it in, in his book. And, and I love that modern science always confirms what the Bible has told us for thousands of years. <laughs> You'll find this again and again and again and again. So what science does. It confirms <laughs> what the Bible has always said. And, and here what he says is when, when we do brain scans of people that are afraid, what you see in this little part of the brain, does anybody know what that little red dot is? It's the amygdala. Okay, this amygdala, this little portion of the brain, I don't know a ton about brain science, so correct me afterwards if I'm wrong, okay? Or, or just love me, right? Be, be kind, okay? But the amygdala is, is what happens. It fires off a response when we're afraid. Boom, you're afraid. It's that instinctual response. But when that instinctual response continues and continues, what happens is a whole cascade of uh, responses and effects. It, it starts to send um, different chemical responses in your brain that, that let off stress, Things like cortisol are sent throughout your body, and it also creates some chemical responses in your body. And let me read this to you so I, so I get it right. That <clears throat> the, the glutacoids and adrenaline and the cytokines, okay, you've heard of those things? Yeah, me neither until I read this book. But the cytokines, what they do is they go through and they affect your immune system in your body. So when you're afraid for a very long period of time, it affects your immune system, meaning that you are more prone to illness, that you have more metabolic problems, and you will actually experience physical pain because of your brain's response of continual fear. It affects your body negatively, and it begins to damage your prefrontal cortex, which is the next area of the brain that I want to show on this next slide. So that your prefrontal cortex is the part of your brain where you think, where you reason, where, where you have morality, is this right or is this wrong, but it's also where you experience love and empathy, compassion. So what's a fascinating thing is he says, it, 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 as he's looking at this, is that fear 
speaking of your brain, fear and love are inversely proportional. The more fear you have, the less you're able to experience and give love. More fear, less love. Make sense? More fear, less love. Can you say that with me? More fear, less love. That's what happens in your brain because that prefrontal cortex can be damaged and damaged and damaged so much that you're not able to love other people. The most fearful people are the angriest and often the meanest, right? Because their prefrontal cortex can be so damaged. But what Timothy Jennings says is the great thing about our brain and the way God created us is that our brain can rewire itself, that it can heal. And what's interesting is that when we start to use our prefrontal cortex more, specifically when we experience and give love more, it causes that part of the brain to heal and our amygdala to stop responding like it was. See that? They're kind of inversely proportional. More fear, less love. More love, less fear. That's right. It's interesting how these things happen. And, and one fascinating study was done, and this is, I think, part of the, the reason why. And it's actually a number of studies, and Timothy Jennings looked at all these studies of people who are religious, particularly Christians who believe in a God of love. There are studies that focus this much, Christians who believe in a God of love. And when those Christians spend 15 minutes a day meditating, reading scripture, or thinking about God's love and praying and, and communing with God, that they actually have a part of their prefrontal cortex called the anterior cingulate cortex begin to heal. See this on brain scans. It gets stronger, it heals, and it heals the amygdala. 15 minutes a day thinking about God's love is enough to rewire your brain and help overcome fear. Fascinating, right? He says his conclusion is perfect love drives out fear. <laughs> Sound like something we've read before? It's exactly what John wrote. Perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. The more love we have, the less fear. Perfect love drives out fear. That, that word drives out. Some, some versions you may know, of, you may have memorized this verse with casts out because that's the same word when Jesus cast out a demon. It's the exorcism, okay? And not meaning floating in the air and head spinning around, okay? But the casting out of evil, of demons in a person. Casting out fear, that's what love does when it comes into our mind and in our hearts and in our lives. It drives out that fear from us. So, so how do we defeat fear? Love. It's through love and, and through the love of God. It's through the love of God. So <clears throat> because I know you guys all love science and math, which neither one was my subject of study. Yeah, we got a few people. I, I decided that, that we needed to show this in a graph, Okay so that you guys can understand how this works. So I, I put together this graph here, and it's a parabola. Did you know what, a, have you heard of a parabola before? So here on the y-axis, okay, the y-axis, it says that, uh, a fear, right? So at the top is high fear, and the bottom is no fear, because that's the goal. And then on the x-axis, so you got that right? Okay, x-axis is love. So there's no love in the bottom left, and on the bottom right is perfect love because this passage talks about perfect love, the complete love. And that word perfect means completion, maturity, the fullness of something. So what we see here is when there's a lot of fear in your life, there's not very much love, right? 
The more love you have in your life, the less fear. And it's a parabola because in this life, we will never quite make it to perfect, will we? So we will always have some fear while we're still in this human body, okay? We still have the amygdala, how God created us that way. So, so that's why it's a parabola, and that's also why I put an arrow there. Because the more and more we grow in love and understand God's love for us and let that love flow through us to other people, that the less and less fear is going to control us and overwhelm us. And we have that arrow because we hope that one day to be like Jesus himself, who had no fear. We're probably not ever going to make it in this life. But that doesn't mean we stop aiming for it. In fact, Jesus told us to be perfect as his Father in heaven is perfect. Same word in our passage, perfect. Teleos in the Greek. We're aiming for that maturity, that completion, that perfection. And that's why we need to go there. And that's why if you've ever met someone who has followed Jesus for a lifetime, they are not fearful people. Especially if they've developed that habit of spending time with God daily. That they're like, as it says in Psalm 1, like a tree planted by streams of water. It's firm. It doesn't even matter whether the winds or the storms of life come. They're still confident because they have God's love. Because they know that God is with them and God loves them, that even with the worst things that will happen in life, not just could, but will happen, God's love will see them through. God's love will see them through. Here's, here's an interesting thing. So the Bible... And I haven't done the counting, so you'll just, we'll just have to trust other people that there are some 365 verses in the Bible that say don't fear or something like it. 365, one for every day, right? Interesting, fascinating. It's almost like God doesn't want us to be afraid. Um, and if you look at these verses, and you can't look at all of them, but a lot of them are fascinating because whenever it says be courageous, don't be afraid, it almost always says why. And I want to just show you a few of these verses. So if we can pull up the first of these verses, uh, I believe is from Joshua 1. This is a great verse. People have it memorized. Be strong and courageous. Don't be fearful or discouraged because why? The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Because God is with you, you don't need to be afraid. Let me show you another one. Jeremiah 42, 11. Do not fear the king of Babylon anymore. He has power. And yes, he did destroy the Israelites. Says the Lord, for why? I am with you and will save you and rescue you from his power. Let's keep going. Psalm 118. Psalmist says, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Or one that many of you have heard before. In Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For why? For you are with me. See, God's presence is with us. And what is God, as our passage told us at the very beginning? God is love. So when we have God's presence with us, it's his love coming to live inside of us, and we live in God. That's what our passage says. And the more his loving presence is with us, we don't have to be afraid of anything that comes our way. It reminded me this week of the missionary John Payton. John was Scottish, and he traveled to the New Hebrides Island You've heard of those, right? It's actually called Vanatu today. Somebody's going to correct my pronunciation afterwards. It's some islands um, near New Guinea. And he was there, and, and this is a series of islands, I think 11 islands, that were filled at the time with cannibals, cannibal tribes. So John Payton went there to share the love of Jesus with them. And in the first four years that he was there, they threatened him over and over and over again to kill him and to eat him. 
And they would surround him at night, and they would all yell at him. And, and he recalls one time in his biography, in his autobiography, uh, about being surrounded by these people who wanted to kill him and eat him. Okay, you can imagine how terrified you'd be. That, that he began to pray. And I just have this section of his prayer that this is what he wrote afterwards. He says, In that moment, my heart rose up to the Lord Jesus. I saw him watching all the scene. My peace came back to me like a wave from God. And I realized that I was immortal till my master's work was done with me. Immortal till God was done with me. And that's how we all are. We're going to be immortal until God is done with us, until our calling and purpose in this life has changed. We're immortal. Nothing can harm us. Nothing can kill us. Nothing can destroy us. Interesting, right? And this doesn't mean he went out there and said, chop me with those axes and eat me, right? But he prayed and God protected him and he made it through and he was able to, to do a major work and see incredible evangelism as hundreds and thousands of those cannibals returned to Christ. See, we can be confident like that. We can be like Esther in the Bible who went into the throne room knowing that the emperor would likely kill her, and she said, if I perish, I perish. But she had the courage to make it through because she knew that there was a God of love on her side. So why Jesus, too, on the night he was betrayed, he said, God, if it's possible, take this cup from me. I don't want to have to die on the cross. I don't want to have to suffer. I don't want to have to bleed. I don't want people to watch me naked on the cross as I breathe my last. But, he said, your will be done. Because he knew that the God of love, if he needed him to die on the cross, would use it for a good purpose. That if God loves us, he will work in all things for the good of those who love him. It's why we can say that we are more than conquerors, as Paul said, through him who what? Loved us. We can defeat anything because God's love is on our side. More love, less fear. And the more we experience God and learn to be with him, the more we, we have that love in our life, and, and the closer we get, as, as that graph showed us, the closer we get to perfect love. Here's an amazing thought. I'm reading this book on the Trinity. Did you know that we have a Trinity in our faith? Three persons, one God. Okay, that makes Christianity very unique, okay? It's not three gods. It's one God, three persons. It's not one person. It's three persons. Got that? And, and what it said is the fascinating thing about God being a Trinity that with three persons, he had relationship before he created anything else. Before he had angels to serve him, before he had human beings to worship him, he had perfect relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And their love in this relationship, the triune God, was so great that God had to create the universe. He had to create human beings so that he could love us and so that we could experience the love that was so much that it overflowed. Fascinating, right? So this means the more we commune with God, we grow in our relationship with him, we follow Jesus, the more of that love comes into our life because it overflows and we become part of that relationship with the Trinity. And therefore, too, that love begins to overflow from us as well. The more of God's love comes into us, the more it flows out to others. See, this love is so great because not only does it change our brains, our, our entire brain chemistry, the more of God's love we have in our hearts and in our minds, but it begins to flow out to other people and change them when they're struggling with fear and anger. Did you see the very last verse in our passage? In verse 19, it says, the one who fears is not made perfect in love. And let's go to, to verse 19, um, if we can. 
use the good old-fashioned Bible. Yep, there it is. Verse 19, it says, we love, see that last line, because he first loved us. He first loved us. That love comes into us, and it flows out to others. Comes into us, flows out to others. That this love begins to help us because people around us are in fear, aren't they? All the time. And with social media, we are seeing it again and again and again from our neighbors, from people who are tweeting, even if they're real, like they might be Russian bots, I don't know. But there's all these people living in fear all the time. And fear leads to anger and leads to hate. I, I think uh, the, the philosopher Yoda said it really well. When he said, fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. This is what happens. When we're afraid, we don't show love. We're afraid, what is this person going to do to me? What, what of my rights are they going to take away from me? How are they going to hurt me or make me sick? We're afraid, and, and then we're mean to those people. How could you not wear a mask? How could you wear a mask? They're taking away our freedoms right now, okay? We get angry at each other, and then we're mean to each other. We hate each other, and it leads to aggression and to violence. Is this little thing in our brain, the amygdala, which is so overtaxed with fear all the time in our digital world today. And if we're ever going to see our world get better, we need to be the agents of love in this world. We can't wait for, for the news agencies to stop fear-mongering, for the politicians to get their act together and actually lead us through courage. It's probably not going to happen, but we can be the agents of love. Just imagine how your life would be better if you lived in God's love and weren't so afraid of what might happen to you, to your health, to people you love, to your world. Just imagine of the people around us, if when they're angry and, and, and hateful, that you respond with love. Wouldn't it transform their hearts as well? I mean, that's what love does. And that's why God first loved us, because he knew it would change us from the inside out. That he knew that if he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, God in the flesh, the perfect love incarnate, when he went up on the cross to die in our place for our sins, and we could see that, that he loved us first, even when we were sinful and disobeyed him and didn't care about him, didn't believe in him, he still died for us. And that love transforms us. It transforms us so much that we've got to give that love to other people so they can experience that love as well. So just imagine how our world would be shaped, our workplaces. There was more love in it. Our families, our schools, our world. But we need to defeat fear through love in order to make that happen. Now, I think we need to spend some time this week, instead of looking at the news, the tweets, whatever is the, the Ring app, whatever's getting you afraid, what if we spent that 15 minutes with God every day? So this is my challenge to you guys this week. I found a Bible reading plan on the YouVersion Bible app that we can do together as a church, okay? Uh, if we can pull this up, it's called Fearless. It's a good name, right? Uh, I looked through this. It's from uh, Seacoast church, church down in South Carolina. It's a seven-day plan. So this week, we're going to start tomorrow. If you get out your phone, you can take this QR code, or you can look in the uh, event, and you can look on that resources page on our website, risedenver.com slash update required. We have a link to this, and we can do this together. I'm going to be reading. I do it first thing in the morning. Some of you, maybe you're, you're most afraid at night. You can read at night. I don't care. Read at lunchtime, on your, your break, um, wherever it is. 
And there's a little devotional that you can read each day and some scripture to read as well. And I think, what if we took those few minutes every day and commune with God? I want to experience your love, God. I want to know that you love me and like me and care about me. That I don't have to be afraid of you, God, but, but I can, can just commune with the God who loves me and sent his own son to die for me. That, that I'm accepted right now. And if every morning we start to do that, I think you will begin to fear, feel that fear fade away. That, that your brain will begin to heal. I hope that you'll continue past seven days. But I think we can do this as a church for seven days, right? So, so let's do this. We're going to start tomorrow, Monday morning, September 20th. And we're going to do this for seven days together. Okay? And we're just going to, to, to savor, to soak in the love of God. And watch as our minds, our hearts are transformed, and therefore others are as well, as that love flows through us to others. So as the band comes up, I was reminded this past week of Todd Beamer. Remember the story of Todd Beamer. With September 11th, our 20th anniversary last week, I, was, I, I saw a few news stories about Todd Beamer. Todd Beamer was one of uh, the people on Flight 93, United Flight 93. And um, on September 11th morning, and he, his plane was hijacked by terrorists. It was right after the two planes flew into the World Trade Center and one flew into the Pentagon, and they were made aware of it. And he and a number of people on the, on the plane decided that they needed to take back the airplane from the terrorists to gain control so that more lives would not be lost with whatever they were targeting because the plane was headed towards Washington, D.C., perhaps the Capitol building, perhaps the White House. So Todd Beamer was on the phone. He, he managed to get a phone call out to an operator and as he was talking with the operator, the operator said in some interviews some of the things that Todd Beamer was saying. And Todd, of course, he wanted to, to get one last message to tell his wife and, and their two kids and their unborn third child that, that he loved them, that he cared about them. But then he said, hey, we, we've got this plan that we're going to try to take back the plane from the hijackers, the terrorists. And he said, well, would you pray with me? Would you pray with me? So he and the operator said the Lord's Prayer together. And after they were done with the Lord's Prayer, she said she could hear him quietly say, God help me. Jesus help me. And she said that in that moment he was peaceful. And that's when he asked the other guys, are you guys ready to go? Let's roll. Now, they weren't able to take back the plane, but they did make it crash, so it wasn't able to crash into one of those targets. But that moment of peace and courage at the end, he had because he was a follower of Jesus. And he was able to step into that moment when our amygdalas would be completely fried, right? We'd be terrified. But he knew God loved him. And in that love, he went up. His, his wife, Lisa, later in an interview said, you know, my husband is not some superhero, she said, he's an ordinary man with ordinary faith in a great God. We have a great God. We have a God of love on our side. So no matter what happens, even if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and we will, he is with us. Perfect love drives out fear. We defeat fear through love. Let's pray. Lord God, we all have fears in our life and, and our social media, our apps, our news. It's just driving us more and more to fear. 
I pray like we talked about last week, we would be able to just leave those distractions, to put them in their place. But more importantly, God, that we would be able to, to bring more of your love into our lives. We need it. And we are so grateful that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us, that you loved us first, that you had invited us back into a relationship to forgive us of all our sins, past, present, and future, that we are accepted, we are loved, we are your children. And Lord God, in that perfect love, would you help us to drive out the fear of our lives and more importantly, the lives of all the people around us, that your love would flow through us, heal our minds, and help us to love others with the love you have for us. Now, with, with eyes closed and heads bowed, we do this every week that some of you don't know God's love yet. And you need to have, know that God is for you and he's not against you. So you need to declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior today so that that perfect love would come into your life to forgive you and then to flow through you. So if you're ready to make Jesus your Lord and Savior today, with, with heads bowed, eyes closed, I have a prayer that I want you to repeat after me. Now, we, if you're already a follower of Jesus, say this prayer out loud to give courage to someone who needs to pray it for the first time today so your love would flow to them, okay? Give them some courage. So please repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Save me. Forgive me. I accept your gift of eternal life. In faith, I declare... Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your spirit of love. Help me to follow you and love others. Now with eyes still closed, heads bowed, if you said that prayer for the first time, if you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, would you please just slip your hand into the air? Slip your hand into the air. If you're online, go to risedenver.com slash follow. Praise God, praise God. Welcome. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. Can we give a hand to those? who have made Jesus their Lord and Savior today. Lord God, we are so grateful that you love us, that we are no longer slaves to fear, but we are your children. You love us, and may that love fill us. You are the God of love, and we want more of your love, more of your love. Be with us today and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand as we sing this song, No Longer Slaves.